Good morning. Hope you're all okay. Thank you, Ricky. You know, I think it's really important that we are healthy people. Um, I know Steph spoke on being healthy in our prayer life. Becky's speaking next week about being healthy. And this morning, I want to talk to you about being healthy with how we love and how we receive love. And, you know, I don't know about you, but there are many things you perhaps love on many different levels. It might be food. It might be a certain person or a certain place. It might be your shoes, it might be a car, it might be an Excel spreadsheet, whatever floats your boat. (laughs) Hopefully there is something in this life that you love on some form of level. And I've just got a few um, descriptions from children about what they believe love is. Um, The first one is from Rebecca, aged eight, and it says this. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. I have trouble doing that, and that's nothing to do with arthritis. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Ah. Next one. Terry, aged four. Brace yourself. Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Oh, kids are ace, aren't they? They say horrible things too. Elaine, age five. Love is when mummy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. And Nika, age six, and this one is my favourite. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend that you hate. (laughs) And I'm going to sit down and leave you with that. Because if you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend that you hate. And we've all got people, we might not go as far as say that we hate them, but we've all got people who wind us up the wrong way and who we have personality clashes with and who perhaps aren't quite our cup of tea. John 13, 35 says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And that's it. People will know that we are Jesus' disciples because we love one another. And for some people, we may find it easier to love certain people. For other people, it may be harder to love them, but people will know that we are Jesus' disciples because we love. Loving people isn't always easy, is it? It can be difficult. People can be difficult. We can disagree with views or lifestyle. We can be hurt by people or upset by people. We can feel used. And when we've had experiences where love damages us and where people who we thought loved us then hurt us, it can then be hard to love again. It can then be hard to receive love. You know, as I've prepped this message and I've got it all ready, and then this morning God reminded me of a story in the Old Testament. And it's in Genesis 26 and it's basically the story of Isaac now Isaac is Abraham's son and Abraham dug a load of wells in the land that he lived so that he could get water so that he could water his sheep and his flocks and that they could drink too 
When Isaac, his son, came back to the land, people who had lived in the land had filled the wells up with rocks and stones so they could no longer access the water. And Isaac had to redig the old wells so that he could access again that living water that helped them to survive and live in the land that they lived in. And I really believe that this morning, as I share the message I've prepared, that God wants to say to so many of us that God wants to redig those old wells in your life so that you can access again that living water of Jesus, so that his love can flow through you, so that his love can heal you, so that you can be refreshed and restored. Where life has thrown rocks into your life, where circumstances have thrown rocks into your life that have prevented you accessing God, that have prevented you feeling that love that God has for you, that have prevented you from saying, I am lovable, where we feel ashamed, where we feel embarrassed, where we feel like I aren't good enough to be loved by God. Those rocks that have been thrown into your life this morning, God wants them to be removed so that you can access God's love again and that it would refresh you and restore you and heal you. I believe that there is a God who can heal, who can restore, who can strengthen, who can bring hope when you've been damaged, emotionally and physically, so that you can learn to trust again, so that you can learn to love again, so that you can learn to be open again, so that you can learn to give again, so that you can learn to share again. And I stand here as testimony of a God who brought healing to my own life when I was damaged by relationships, when I was damaged by people who'd thrown rocks into my life, sometimes purposely, sometimes not, but that God in his grace and in his mercy removed those from my life so that I could once again love and be loved. And I believe God wants to do it for you too. You know, when I finish talking, we're gonna sing a song called Reckless Love. And I just want to read you the definition of reckless. It is heedless of danger or the consequences of one, one's actions, rash or impetuous. Seems like a strange word to put next to love, doesn't it? But you know, Jesus was reckless with his love. He was reckless with it. He loved sinners. He pointed people to God. He died on a cross heedless of danger regardless of the danger to himself he loved above and beyond it was crazy love it was a love that made other people angry and yet because of it because of it he wants to bring healing to us and help us to love recklessly as well so that through our lives and through our love we can share the good news of Jesus with those around us so let's look at an example of Jesus loving people, shall we? So I'm going to read to you an account from John 8, verses 3 to 11. I'm reading from the NIV. It should be on the screen. It says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? 
They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis of accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. That is reckless love. That is love that goes against the grain of society and the grain of what people at the time thought was right. And Jesus is calling us to love recklessly and allow him to love us recklessly. And I've just got a few thoughts from this passage that hopefully will help you to be healthy as you love and as you allow people to love you. They will hopefully help you to allow God to love you in a new and a fresh way, but will also help you as you share your love with those around you when loving people is difficult. So the first thing I want to say to you is this, love is love, not sugarcoating. When I um, gave my life back to Jesus in my early 20s and and then I met Paul and we were going to get married and somebody that I knew said to me, oh, it's like, you know, it's like the cherry on top of the cake, Paul is for you. You know, God's given you this wonderful life, you saved all these things and Paul's like the cherry on the top of the cake. I think Paul squashed my cake at times, but there you go. But you know, sometimes we think, you know, it's, it's all going to be wonderful when there's love. love. Love's like Disney and it's like skipping and, and birds singing and oh, la, 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 and the birds come and the little squirrels come and then my dog goes nuts at him. And it's just, Disney doesn't exist. So often, so many of us, and so many of us who are female, we have this idea that when I find the one, my world will be wonderful. <laughs> Cinderella syndrome. It is the biggest lie there ever is. Can I tell you, if you have not met Mr. Perfect, he does not exist. There is a man or a woman who will stand next to you and support you and love you and walk with you through your life, but it is not going to make your life easier or better. In some ways, it might make it harder some days, but it means that you've got someone to walk with. This is a bit of a tangent, but I think it needs to be said. Love is love. Love is dying on a cross. Love is going above and beyond. Love is keeping going even when it's difficult. Love is not a feeling, it is an action of something that you do. And so often Disney has created this wonderful thing and I love Disney, but it's not reality. Don't get stuck in what, what films tell us that love is. Love at times is hard work, but in and through it, there is blessing, there is healing, and there is hope. 
And there is a peace that can surpass all understanding. You know, I remember listening to somebody preach, and it's a long time ago when I was a teenager, and I'm going to steal their story, so I do apologize, this is not mine, but it is a true story. And this guy told the story of, he got on a plane to America, and as he was getting on the plane, there was a little girl with a mum who sat in the row in front. And this little girl was really excited, was bouncing up and down, had got a handful of sweets and another handful of cookies, and all she kept saying was, I'm going to see Daddy, I'm going to see Daddy. Some of you might have heard this message, I apologise if you have. I'm going to see Daddy, and she was so excited, and she was shoving her sweets and her chocolates in her mouth all the way to America. You know what's going to happen, don't you? Just before they landed, the sweets and the chocolate decided not to stay in her stomach much longer. Through the excitement and the journey, she was covered in sick. And this guy tells the story of, as they get off the plane, he's fascinated to see Daddy and how excited Daddy is to see his little girl who is caked in what she's eaten. And he follows them along through to the arrivals lounge. And he sees this man standing there with a light suit on. (laughs) And he watches and wonders. And the little girl's so excited, but sort of ashamed in some ways that she's covered in her own sick. But the daddy just does not care. He has obviously missed his little girl just as much as she has missed him. And he runs to her and scoops her up in his arms, sick and all, and loves her and holds her. I want to tell you this morning, God loves you, mess and all. So if the enemy is lying to you and telling you that you are not good enough, that because of how you live your life, because of things that have happened in your life, because of the mess that has overflowed from within you, that you cannot have access to the Father, it is a lie. God wants to hold you and bring you close and love you in and through your mess. Now, come on, let's be honest. I'm sure when that dad got that little girl home, he gave her a good wash and he changed his suit and he changed her clothes as well. And that is the beauty of God. He will gather you up, mess and all, but he won't leave you that way. He will wash you clean and wash all of the mess away from you and bring healing and hope to your life. God accepts you as you are, but I want to encourage you this morning. Take the journey with him. Take the journey to grow and be more like Jesus. Take the journey to remove the mess that sometimes life throws at us or we throw up on ourselves. God just doesn't leave us like that. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You know, and it's so easy to think, well, that's wonderful, but that's not for me. That's wonderful, but, you know, people who've said they've loved me in the, in the past have judged me. 
People who've said they've loved me in the past have been negative about me. People who've said they love me in the past have used religion against me. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy, does not boast, tis not proud. It does not dishonor others. It does not self-seek. Is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. We are the ones who keep a record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You know, love comes to embrace you, mess and all, and not accuse you. And it's from that place that Jesus asks us to grow more like him. Free from the shame, free from the guilt, free from the fear and free from the hurt. God wants to embrace you this morning. God wants to reopen those wells where there's been mess, where there's been dirt and allow his living water to flow again through you. And you know, the next thing I want to say to you is people will try and catch you out. You know, it says in verse 6, they were using the question as a trap. Now, we need to understand the context to understand what this means. Because what we need to understand first and foremost is, it says the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. Now, in the law, it says that the man and the woman should both be brought to the priest. So straight away, there's something amiss. Straight away, something's not right. Because the law taught them to bring the man and the woman caught in adultery. So where was he? Where was he? If they caught her in adultery, he wasn't doing it on herself. So where was the other party? So something is amiss in this already. And Jesus is far from stupid. But the other thing that we need to know is this. When the Romans came and took control of Israel, there was a number of laws that they decided that were too harsh in the Jewish Torah. And so they brought a different, a different response in to certain circumstances. And one of those things was adultery. So the punishment for adultery under Jewish law was stoning. But the Romans said this was too harsh and brought it back so you weren't killed if you were caught in the act of adultery. So Jesus knew this. Straight away he knew, well, where's the man? And he also knew, well, actually, the law of Moses says we should stone her, but the law of the Romans says we shouldn't. So he's really stuck between a rock and a hard place. No matter what he says, he's saying something wrong to somebody. If he says we should stone her, then they'll take him to the Romans. If he says we shouldn't stone her, then they'll take him to the high priest for going against the law of Moses. He can't win. But Jesus was wise. Jesus was kind and he had a deeper understanding. And I think as we walk through life as Christians in our workplace, in our family, where there's people who know that we're a Christian, sometimes they want to catch us out. What do you think of this situation? What do you think of this lifestyle? What do you think of this? And it's not coming because they necessarily want you to fix something or help, but it's coming as a trick and a trap. And I want to encourage you when you find yourself in those situations, just like Jesus did, ask God for wisdom. 
Ask the Holy Spirit to be your guide so that we can be a good witness as we share the love of Jesus with those around us. And will we get it wrong sometimes? Absolutely. But we ask again, God, help me. Help me to get it right. Help me to communicate your love to this broken and this lost world. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I think the biggest mistake that we ever make is to think that we know the answer. I want to encourage you this morning. Allow the Holy Spirit to be your guide on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute. Allow God to fill you with his love so what you do and what you share comes out of love, not comes out of our thoughts and opinions. Allow those higher thoughts and higher ways to be our guide and be the thing that rules what we share and what we think. You know, one of the things that we see Jesus doing in this account is is kneeling and, and writing in the dust. And I don't know about you, but I find it really peculiar thing. It's not something that really anybody apart from children do today, writing in the dirt and digging about and, you know, making patterns. And it seems really strange and alien to me. I'm presuming it does to most of you too. But actually... When you look into it, there are a number of reasons why he could have possibly done this. And we will never know what he wrote because it doesn't tell us. So we have no idea. We can guess at what he wrote. What was he writing? Was he just doodling to try and ignore them? Was he writing down their sins and that's why they all ran away? Many people think that, but we don't know that that's true. Because it says in the word, when they heard him, not when they saw what he'd written, when they heard him, then they went away. But he could have been doing that. But when we look at Jewish culture and custom, when somebody had committed a sin and been caught in an act like adultery, they would have been taken to the high priest or the priest. And when they were taken to them, they would often be at the temple gates and they would have been accused of whatever they'd done wrong. And then judgment would have been handed down. That was basically how it worked. And the custom was that the priest would then stoop down and write the names of the guilty parties in the dust. It couldn't be written anywhere that was permanent. It had to be written somewhere where it would disappear. So now this is beginning to sound a bit more familiar, what Jesus did. Whereas before it just seemed, why is he drawing in the dirt? But actually it was something that was done on a regular basis and something that those who were there would have recognised the act of because they would have seen it many, many times. You know, Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? In the Greek is katrino, which means to give judgment against, to condemn or to be judge worthy of punishment. You know, Jesus knelt down and wrote in the dust just as a priest would have done to write down, this is what somebody's done wrong. Just as a reminder to those people, this is what happens, judgment will come because of this. You know, so often I think it's so hard because it's so easy to judge people. 
it's so easy for us to look at the worst in other people. I want to read to you the oath that judges must take in this country to be part of that judicial system. It's, this is the oath that they take. They must swear this. They must swear to do right to all manner of people after the laws and usages of this realm without fear or favour, affection or ill will. I don't know whether I can do that. To all manner of people without fear or favour. How often does fear or favour affect how we judge situations, how we judge our relationships? And then... Lord Judge in 2008, he was the former Lord Chief Justice, sounds important. This was his thoughts about the oath that they take. It says, I ponder these words, I hear them frequently, and they still send a shiver up my spine. It binds my conscience as it binds the conscience of every judge who takes it. You know, we need to look at ourselves before we look to judge other people. That's love. Jesus' love was far greater than any judgment he came to bring. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Jesus wanted to bring hope and love to that woman. And when all those accusers had disappeared... And Jesus stood there with her again, alone. And he asked her, where have they gone? Who's accusing you? No one. This morning, there is no one accusing you. There is no one to say, your sins are too great. Your mess is too messy. Your pain is too painful. This morning, God wants to set you free from the things that have bound you, from the rocks that have stopped you accessing the love of Jesus. And what does he say to her? He says, then I don't condemn you either. And he tells her, go now and leave your life of sin. So does he condemn her for it? Absolutely not. Does he love her and embrace her in the moment? Absolutely. And from that place, he encourages her to live her life differently. It is from a place of love and kindness that we can embrace a broken and a hurt world. From a place of love and kindness that God wants to embrace you and hold you in all of your mess. And say from this place we can grow and that there's healing. Jeremiah 17, 13 says this. It says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth. It's there again. Because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Now this verse from Jeremiah used to be read at a certain time of year in the Jewish calendar. So on the Day of Atonement, they would gather together and they would pull the priest together and the priest would do all of these things to, to enact the forgiveness of the sins for Israel. 
And so one of the things that the priest would do, he would be immersed 11 times in like a baptismal tank. And when he came out of that tank, he would declare this scripture, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. And then everyone would cheer and there would be uproar because the nation knew that because it was the day of atonement and because of what the priest did, that they could have their sins forgiven and they would celebrate and they would cheer. Jesus, the fountain of living water, made it possible that no longer did the priest year on year have to go to God and say, please forgive the nation's sins. Please forgive us for all these things we've done wrong because Jesus, through his blood, you have access and are able to have forgiveness for your sins. The reckless love of Jesus on that cross made a way for us to be healed and restored and forgiven. So I want to say to you this morning, no matter how dirty you feel, no matter how messy you feel, that there is a reckless love of Jesus that wants to flood you and fill you afresh that wants to restore you, that those living waters want to flow over you, that you can be washed clean. You know, so often in the Bible, we see these examples of people who Jesus heals. There's, there's the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5. There's the cripple in Luke 13. There's the man with the withered hand in Matthew 12. There's the deaf mute man in Mark 7. And there's so many more. And I think to myself, why, why don't they just write this person's name? Why are they known by what they were? I think it's, part of me is like, oh, it's really sad that like, that's what the whole world knows her with the woman with the issue of blood. She must be like, oh. <laughs> you know, we're all a recovered or an ex or a former something because God is a God of restoration. And I believe that, God, that they left it in the Bible, naming them with their complaint or their issue so that you and I would know that actually that's okay. That's okay to come with a complaint or an issue or something wrong because Jesus loves those who need healing. Jesus loves those who need help and he wants today to restore and heal you just in the same way. God will meet you in your weakness and in your mess if you choose to take it to Jesus, if you allow Jesus to be that biggest voice in your life. And as you do, that that love will overflow from you and be a witness to other people. And you know, sometimes we just think, oh, it's just too hard. It's too hard for me to do. I can't love these people. I can't move on from this thing. And yet when we see Jesus in Gethsemane, when everything within him didn't want to go to the cross, and yet he went anyway, that if we follow that example, it is from that place that the whole world was transformed and that we can live a different life. And I want to encourage you. It's not what you were. It's not what you are. But it's what you're about to be as he pours his refreshing and his living water into you. If the band want to come and join me as I conclude, that would be great.
You know, when Jesus submitted and went to the cross for the love of you and for the love of me, it transformed this world because Jesus chose to bow to God rather than his own flesh. And this morning, I want to encourage you that as we, as we stand here and say, Jesus, I want to know your love more. I want to be able to love myself more. I want to be able to love other people more. That the way to do that is allow more of him in your life. The way to do that is to push those things aside that no longer have weight or bearing. To push those things aside that have taken your eyes away from him. To push those things aside that have filled up those spaces so you can no longer access him. Like I talked about at the beginning, God wants to reopen those old wells so that that living water can flow through you. It washes you clean, it cleanses you, and it takes you on a journey to grow in him bigger than anything that you ever thought you could be because of the love of Jesus. And this morning, I want to pray that God's love would flood you and that through you, God's love would flood other people's lives. You know, we're going to sing in a minute that there's no mountain that's too high, there's no darkness too dark, there's no wall that's too limiting, there's no lies that are too deep-rooted that Jesus cannot reach you. And this morning, that reckless love of Jesus and knowing it in a healthy way, knowing it in a way that breaks down all those boundaries, that allows us to love again when we've been damaged and that is allowing us to love deeper and bigger than we ever thought we could in our own natural strength. It is that love that we need. I want to just invite you to stand. And I just want to pray for you this morning that Jesus' love would flood you. You know, if, there's, if you feel there are things in your life that have blocked up old wells, if you feel that you want to know more of Jesus' love today than you've ever known before, if you feel that you're in a situation or circumstance where you need to be able to love in a way that is beyond what you can do yourself, I just want you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray. Just raise your hand where you are. Now I want to pray for you because I believe this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to meet with you. I believe this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to come and flood you and fill you afresh. Breaking down those those walls that have been built and filling you up so that you can go and love in a healthy, in a healthy way. So God, I thank you this morning. God, we thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you for the reckless love that he showed on that cross. God, I thank you for so many accounts in the Bible of when Jesus loved beyond love. And I pray that we would learn so much in and through it, that we would learn that it's not always easy and we need to be careful how we say and how we share and how we communicate so that we share your love. God, I pray that you would fill us all afresh, that we may be overflowing with your love, that it may flow out of us into our lives and into our situations, into those people around us. And God, I pray this morning, especially for people who've been hurt, 
for people where life has thrown things at them and it's blocked up old wells of access to you. God, for people who feel like I'm too messy to run to the Father. God, I pray that you would break down those lies in Jesus' name, that you would break down those things that have happened in the past and that people would be set free in Jesus' name. God, I speak a loosing across this place this morning, that people would be loosed from the past, that people would be loosed from the things that have held them, from the things that have broken them, from the things that have stopped them in in certain places, God. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come right now. Come right now, Holy Spirit. Just flood this place. Healing, restoration. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for a change in mindset for us. That we would see love through your eyes, not through our own. God, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. God, I pray that as we sing this next song, that you would overwhelm us with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.